Good morning, Lifehouse fam. How's everyone doing today? So good to see all of you here. We hope you're having a great, great day. If it is your first time, we, we just do want to say thank you so much for joining us, Lifehouse fam. Please give all our first-time guests a warm round of applause. You are our VIP, man. We're so glad that, that you are here. We just want to encourage you to come back out a couple different weekends. No service here is the same. Come back out. Check us out, man. We have an incredible church family that we would love to get you plugged into. Also, we started life groups this past week. Anyone in a life group? Make some noise. Make some noise. We got 12 different groups, a bunch of different stuff, fresh fresh start group. I got a basketball group going on, workout groups. There's Bible studies. There's marriage groups, parent. I mean, there's just everything. So so go, go online, theaterchurchnn.com. You can check out things there or just, just take this card here, U-card, check life groups box and we will get back with you and let you know what we have going on so last sunday we began a trip a road trip through the bible last week we just kind of just just touched on uh what is the bible to you like the bible is either going to be over you or the bible is going to be under you Uh, but but you've got to make a decision on how on how authoritative is the bible going to be in your life today though we're going to start uh in the beginning. Okay, no one knows that. Okay, we're in trouble here. We, we got a lot more teaching to go through. Uh, in the beginning. Oh, here we go. We got some church people piping up now. We got some church, church folks speaking. speaking up. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So scripture begins with this idea of God creating. Get the, the God created. creating scripture tells us that god spoke and things happen god spoke that that it was good seven times in genesis chapter one and genesis chapter two god uh god said it is good that what the that what he created wasn't bad but it was good in genesis we see the beginning now i don't care who you are what you know, whether you're for Christianity, against Christianity, what your worldview is, you have to wrestle with, grapple with, understand, and come to grips with this question of origin. Like, you've really got to ask, how in the heck did we get here? Why are we here? What's the purpose of us being here? Now, me, I always thought that, you know, we're, you know, kind of people that believe in God, especially in more scientific Typic realms are always looked at as idiots. Like, oh, you believe that someone created this? You're an idiot. <laughs> you know, it was just like, and, and it was, you know, kind of like the burden of proof was always on those that believed in God. And it was like those that believed in science, naturalism, just, just kind of this all just happened spontaneously and by chance. But it happened over billions and billions of different years to where now we are where we're at just by chance, no purpose to it, just chaos created order, um, chaos created purpose. It's like we've just ended, ended up here. But really, a- as a follower of Christ, or even a person in general, you've got to come to grips with origin, how in the world we came here, why, why, why we're here and really, because I, I think that really does matter, because if you believe that there was no purpose in us being created, and we're just here just by chance, accident, it really doesn't matter, then honestly, how can you live for any purpose? 
Let us eat and drink, sleep with everybody till tomorrow we die, right? It's like no purpose. Just let's just live it up until our time on earth is finished and done, and we go down into the grave. Nothing else happens. It's just, you know, okay, cool. But it's like at the same time, I would say if we're not created for purpose, why does every human being I know crave and desire to know why the purpose behind why they're on this planet? Like we crave it. We crave purpose. We crave desire. So we've got to come to grips and wrestle with it. Like I said, I always thought the burden of proof was always on the Christian. When actually people that, whether they're atheist, agnostic, naturalistic world, world view that just kind of believe this stuff happened, like I, there, there's a huge burden of proof, I believe, on them as well. You know, Stephen Hawking, one of the greatest scientists of all time, um, he is kind of con- considered the smartest science, scientist, a bunch of different theories, a bunch of different facts. He, he wrote a book a while back called, I forgot what the title was, uh, A Brief History of Time, and where Hawking is trying to actually defend this, this idea that chaos created order and that it could have possibly happened that over the span of billions of years and things evolving and, you know, this big bang happened and just through the sense of just ener- energy molecules, all of these things forming like chaos creating such, com- such, such order and, and yet complexity that, that actually makes sense. In this book, Hawking tries to actually defend and explain that. And this is what Hawking came up with. He said, it is a bit like the well-known horde of monkeys hammering away on a typewriter. Most of what they write will be garbage, but very occasionally, by pure chance, they will type out one of Shakespeare's sonnets. Similarly, in the case of the universe, could it be that we are living in a region that just happens by chance to be smooth and uniform? So, scientists being who scientists are, physicists said, let's put some math behind this probability. Because math, you know, math is, uh, me, I hate math. When I hear math, I want to go in a corner, start, st- start sucking my thumb, and just get in the fetal position because I don't like math. Math is like, that would be an eternal hell for me is having to do math problems the rest of my life, okay? I'm just, just throwing that out, out there, okay? But, but it's, you know, someone said, okay, let's do the math on, on writing out one of Shakespeare's sonnets um, using Hawking's logic. Dr. Gerald Schroeder, a physicist, calculated the odds of monkeys typing an average Shakespearean sonnet. He chose the one, one of Shakespeare's sonnets that says, shall I compare you to a summer's day? He says this, there are 488 letters in this sonnet. The chance of randomly typing the 488 letters to produce this one sonnet is 1 in 26 to the 488th power, or 1 in 10 to the 690th power, the number 10 to the 690th power is a 1 followed by 690 zeros. The immense scale of this number is hinted at when one considers that since the Big Bang 15 million years since the Big Bang 15 million years ago, there have only been there there have been only 10 to the 18th power number of seconds which have ticked away. To write by random one of Shakespeare's sonnets 
uh, would take all of the monkeys plus every other animal on earth typing away on typewriters made from all the iron in the universe over a period of time that exceeds all time since the Big Bang and still the probability of a sonnet appearing would be vanishingly small at one random try per second with even a simple sentence having only 16 letters it would take 2 million billion years to exhaust all possible combinations. Now this is the, you know, this, this, this is what one of the leading scientists said is that, oh yeah, just, just give on, just type, it's just, just going to create a sign. And now, the bottom line is this, no matter what you believe, whether in the beginning God, in the beginning bang, the bottom line is you have to practice a level of faith. You have to say, I'm going to put my faith and trust either in, this was by chance, this just happened, it was chaos, and it created order, complexity came, and created simplicity. It's like you have to decide, am I going to put my faith and trust in the beginning, God, or in the beginning, chance, in the beginning, bang. Now, look, the, the bottom line is this. Whenever we get in Genesis, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, but Genesis as a whole is not, it's not a science book. Some of y'all are like, really? Yeah, Genesis was never meant to be a science book. It was never meant to be a spot for us to go and, okay, let's calculate mathematics. Genesis is more concerned with the who of creation and the why of creation instead of the how and the when of creation. You focus on Genesis and say, who is the character and nature of this person creating? But not just that, why was the world created? See, what we see in Genesis is a deep sense of purpose. And no matter how scientific, mathematic you get, science can never deduct purpose. Do you know that? Science can never deduct why the heck you're here. It might give you a sense, okay, this is how you're living. This is what you're sick with. This is stu stuff like that. But it will never tell you, deduct in a math problem. It will never tell you, hey, this is why you're here because we believe this. But ultimately, the God of purpose created you, created our world for a purpose. And since God is a God of purpose, we have been given purpose because we're made in his likeness. So as we begin this brand new road trip, it's got to begin with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we're not going to have time to dig into every part of this chapters here because we'd be here forever. And I got like a very limited amount of time and they always get on me for preaching too long. So I'm going to try to stay on time. All right, Genesis, Genesis 1, Genesis 2, we see a few character traits. And that's what I want us to really get out of this more is the character and nature of God. And we see a few things here in God creating. First off, we see God is a God of balance. God is a God of balance. He created light, dark, the sun, the moon, the earth and heaven, the sea and land, animal and man, man and woman. We see this continual theme, not just in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, but we see this theme throughout scriptures that God is a God of balance. That God is a God, honestly, of tension. Balance requires tension. Balance requires you to be in the middle. And you've kind of got to keep this whole thing. Let me, let, let me give you a better example. God is a God, or, or Scripture says in John chapter 1, that Jesus, who was God in the form of man, he came full of grace and truth. So he came and he said, yes, he's a God of grace, but then he's a God of truth. God, what we see is he's a God of mercy, yet justice. He's a God of love. He's a God of wrath. He's a God of balance. 
we can see this. The cross of Jesus Christ is the best example for this. Why? Because on the cross, we see love displayed, love poured out. But do you know what we also see on that cross? We see wrath. That's what our sin required. Our sin required a sacrifice. Somebody had to pay the debt of sin that we incurred because Scripture tells us all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And because of that, we were all destined for, for eternal separation from God. And Jesus came, he lived the perfect sinless life that you could not live, yet died the death, you should have died in your place and for your sins. And when he went up on the cross, what that was saying is, I love you, and this is the wrath that I'm receiving in your place. It's balance. And I'm telling you, as followers of Christ, we are called to live in this tension, in this place of balance. Where you know, Have you ever seen people just that are just extreme? Let me give you a great example, right? The churches. Some churches, they can be so full of truth, they beat the snot out of people. I mean, they come into church, and it's, it's like you just leave feeling like worse than you came. And I don't know, I just believe when you go to church, you should leave feeling better. You should leave feeling better about yourself, right? Like, you should leave feeling like, okay, I know I'm terrible, but God is good. <laughs> you know? It's like, I know I suck, but I know God is good. It's like, I know, it's like you, should, you should leave knowing, yes, you got the truth, that we've all sinned, yet at the same time, you've got grace, which says you can't earn your, sal your salvation. You don't live for it, you live from it. We live and we serve a God that is balanced. And, and as people that follow Christ, we have to now take on the same character, and there, there's going to be in our times where, you know, where, where we're, we're going to have to, we've we got to live in this tension of being in the middle where we have grace and we have truth. We show love, but at the same time, we show justice. Like, we, we've got to, to know it's, it's God is a God of balance. And, and what I believe we see here in Genesis 1, Genesis 2, that he creates compliments. Sun and moon, man, woman, that it is balance. But God isn't just a God of balance. God is also a God of order. God is a God of order. I love the, the like, theme or kind of the continuity that we see in the creation account. Because what God, I believe, was honestly doing here was creating an order for, for to help us know how we should order our lives. Let me give you a great example here. Number one, Genesis 1, 1, 1, 1. God creates the world. Okay? Genesis 1, 26 through 27. God creates man. Genesis 2, 8. God places the man in a garden to live under God's authority. Now, this is huge, all right? He places them in this garden and says, you're going to live not as God. You're created like God, but you're not God. You're created like God, so you live under God's authority. 2.15, man was to rule over and steward the earth that God created. So man was called to live over creation, yet live under God's authority. Got that? We were called to live and steward not just consume and abuse creation. We're called to steward it, oversee it, rule over it, while God rules over us. Wasn't just that, though. He gave them boundaries in Genesis 2, 16. He said, hey, there's this tree here. Don't eat from it. Let me tell you why. If you do, 
you're, you're going to experience death. So God gave them boundaries. He said, let me tell you this, there's a certain way to live, and the way to live is, is to not eat from that tree. He also gave them community. He gave Adam a wife. The, the, the one thing that God said was not good was that man was alone. And I can see why. Have you ever seen men that are alone? Whoo! I remember when I got married, praise God. I needed a lot of help. My home, my home looked like a hellhole. Like me, I mean, I, and I, mean, I was a mess. I was a wreck. I mean, you see men that are by themselves. Like men most of the time need a lot of help. And God saw that and knew that. He said, the one thing God said was not good is that Adam was by himself. So God said, I'm going to give him community. I'm going to give him someone to do life with. But then it says here in 2.25, Genesis 2.25, that after he, after he did all of this stuff, man and woman lived naked and unashamed. Praise God. So God's original plan of paradise. Let me just break this down to you. God's original plan of paradise was, I love God, man. He, he knows what's best. Put them in a garden, a great place, beautiful place. I can only imagine. Says, hey, live under my authority. Gives them boundaries. Don't do this. You can, he said, you're free to eat from any tree except this one. This one's mine. Stay away from it. So he puts them in this garden, blesses them. They're living under God's authority, ruling over creation, in community, naked. Men, isn't this heaven? You got your home, you're all good, you got your food, you got your beautiful wife. <laughs> but this is what original paradise was created to be by God. Why? Because I think God was setting in place order. You're not God. I am. Live under my authority. With that, you're going to rule over created things in community, within boundaries. And if you do this, you'll live a naked and unashamed life, which naked and unashamed simply means this, without guilt, without fear, Without, you know what it is? It's called freedom. You ever felt and lived free? That's what God's ultimate goal was. And freedom was living under God's authority over creation. But how many of y'all know this is, this, this, this is, the order in our world is so backwards now. So backwards. We have people that don't, that they were made in God's image, but now they want to play God. Created things are ruling over them. Drugs. Sex. Alcohol, money, power, hobbies, possessions, all of these things, we're not ruling over them, they're now ruling over us. Like, we're controlled by them. You ever said things like, I just can't help it. It's just who I am. So now we've got created things ruling over us. Typically, we don't want community. We're like, oh, I'm, I'm good. I, I don't need community. I don't, I'm just going to go through this whole thing by myself. And as a result, we don't live in God's boundaries. We kind of say, I'm the boundary now. What I say goes. And then we wonder why we don't live lives of freedom. Because we're not in order. 
In Genesis, we see a created order. So my challenge to you is, is your life in order today? Is the feeling of restriction and really almost prison that you find yourself in right now, is that self-inflicted because of your because of your pride, and you want to do things your way, you say, my order is better than God's order. Let me tell you, it's not. God set out, set out a creative order at the, very, at the very beginning, saying, I'm the creator. You're going to live under my authority in a place where I put you. You're going to rule over creation within boundaries, with, within community, so you can find freedom. God isn't just the God of balanced order. God is also the God of the good, though. God is the God of the good. And I love this because, you know, like I said seven times within these, within these first two chapters, God said, it is good. And it wasn't like he created it, then he was like some sort of inspector where he's like, ooh. Good. He wasn't expecting it like some inspector. He was looking at it, and you know what he was saying? This is good. He found joy in it. Like, God is seriously so, this might sound, so, but like so passionate about your joy and freedom. He's so passionate about your joy and freedom. Because let me tell you, being Following Christ is different because of this, right? Some other religions, they tell you this. Run from desire. Buddhism, Hinduism, they say what your body feels is actually not from God. It's from yourself. You should deny yourself, deny your flesh, deny yourself desire because all desire is bad. Other religions, they would say, let me turn the man's keyboard on. Boy, dude sitting over here, he says, let me turn his keyboard on. I'm just kidding. Man. There we go. Woo, it just got holy up in here. Feeling, just felt the Holy Spirit in this room from that keyboard. Keyboard just makes everything more spiritual. I love the keyboard. No, but, but, but also though, Christianity doesn't tell you just do what you want. Because, you know what? Some other religions teach, just do whatever you want. Just live it up, Whatever. Christianity says don't run from desire, yet know you're living under authority within boundaries. Great example of this is sex. People, unfortunately, about people think God's against sex. People think, oh, is that good? No, God's not against sex. He, he, he kind of created it. He knows what it's like. He, 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 he knows it's good. But what he said was is that it needs to be done within the proper boundaries so you can get the most freedom and fulfillment from it. He says, I know how it needs to be done the best way so it can be experienced in true freedom and for my glory and your ultimate joy. God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in him. And man, I'm telling you, God is the God of good. He's not, he doesn't, like, not want you to have fun. He's, like, not, you know, you know, uh, you know, just, just doctor, like, man, I'm, I'm, nothing's coming to my brain. I'm trying to say something funny. I'm sorry, it's just not there. Need more coffee next time. But he, he's not about 
He, he wants you to live, man. He wants you to live. He wants you to live joyfully, freefully. Why? Because he created the world. He created you. He knows you intricately. He knows desires. He knows all of those things. But he knows how it needs to be rightly applied to our lives for us to get the most amount of joy. And I challenge you, if your life is not in order today, it is an act of faith to get in God's order. Because it's in complete contradiction to what the world tells you to do. The world tells you, hey, get together, have a relationship. Uh, you know, you got to have sex because why are you going to marry this person if you don't, you, you wouldn't go and buy a car without test driving it first, right? Duh. Well, it's interesting because God, God knows like the power of that act. It's a physical representation of two souls coming together. And it's not to be messed with. It's not to be played with. It's not to be whatever thrown around. But, but, but it's like you can, like God wants your joy, man. But God is not just a God of balance, order, God of the good. He's also a God to be worshipped. And that's what I think Genesis 1 and 2 should compel us to do. And that's one of the, the big reasons why we chose this song. So will I. It talks about creation, worshiping, and worship. Uh, worship team, y'all can go ahead and come on up. And we're going to sing this song again. But the, the big reason why we chose this song is because I believe that as we look at creation and we look at Genesis and we look at God's power, balance, order, his goodness, that what that should evoke out of people he has created is worship. And worship is simply pouring yourself out and saying, God, thank you. Worship is, is seeing God through, through this lens of awe, through this lens of just amazement. And I think some of, some of you here, like, in your life, your issue is not your circumstance. Your issue is how small you view God being. Your issue is how small you view God. You don't view God as being able to help you overcome your addiction. Your issue is your God is too small that God would actually provide for you. Your, your God is so small that you won't believe that God will help you find the right person to do community with. And I'm telling you all, my goal today is my prayer today for everyone is that our view of God would expand. And then we would see that God is creator, yes, but his character is intimacy with us. That though God is so powerful, though God is so big, he knows, and you know, Jesus said that God knows the amount of hairs that are on our heads. And I know that's hard for us to grasp and fathom that the God that created the heavens and the earth and the sun, the moon, the stars, all of these things intimately knows us and wants to know us and is intimate with us. But imagine if you accepted that by faith and lived by that truth. I think there would be a little bit different in how much confidently you lived life with. How much purpose you lived life with. How much order you said, God, I need to not stay out of order. I need to get in order. Why? Because I know you're serious about my joy. You're the source of joy. You created joy. So I need to get in line. I need to let my obedience lead my feelings instead of letting my feelings lead my obedience. So my, my prayer for us, y'all, is that we would, if you would stand. I know you're busy. I know you're hungry. I know it's lunchtime. 
but this moment's worth it. We're, we're going to sing this song. And I want you to block, block out whatever's going on. I don't care what you do, lift your hands, close your eyes, whatever, but I want us to get this song into our spirits, get this word into our hearts today. And my prayer is that you'll see the bigness of God, but not just the bigness of God, the intimacy that God wants to have with you. Because you are his kid, you are his child, he wants you to be in order so you can have the most amount of joy possible and sing life out.
never leaves the one behind. God loves you today. This all creator, all powerful God is madly in love with you and he showed it on the cross by sending his son Jesus to die in your places for your sins. If everyone could bow their heads. I just want to give you the opportunity. We're going to pray. We just want to give you the opportunity. If you've never made a decision to be in relationship with this all-powerful God, we want to give you that, that opportunity today. We're going to pray together, all of, all of us here. But if, 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 if when you pray, this will be your first time praying this, or maybe you know you've gotten away from God and you want to rededicate your life, you want to get relationship, you want to get back in order today. Whenever we, we pray, if you pray this with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, I believe through the power of the Holy Spirit, something supernatural and transformational will happen. This is what we're going to do. If you want to give your life to Christ for the first time, or you want to get back in order, pray this prayer with me. And everyone else join in with them. Ready? Everyone say this. Jesus. I give you my life. I give you my heart. Thank you that you are a powerful God. Yet you know every hair on my head. You love me. You're passionate for me. You showed it on the cross. And I receive today the gift of salvation that you purchased on the cross for me. I give you my life. I surrender it to you. The good the bad and the ugly. I receive forgiveness today of my sins and I receive your love today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Lifehouse, let's give that, let's give it up for anyone that said that prayer today for the first time. Listen, if you did say that prayer today, first time, you're rededicating, you want to get back in order we want to connect with you really really quick if you would this card here you card if you would fill this out for us right on the back here it says my life was changed by Jesus today for the first time if you would just fill that out for us we want to quickly connect with you and give you some steps in this brand new journey of following this all-powerful creator God that loves you so much and wants to have relationship with you Lifehouse fam one more time we just give it up for God and what he did today God is good, isn't he?